Thanks for joining us for the Small Talk Big Ideas podcast, a podcast to enrich your soul, where we have conversations with inspiring people about all things property, business and life. And now, the host of Small Talk Big Ideas, Ian Ugarte. Hey there, welcome to Small Talk Big Ideas podcast. And today we're talking to a mate of mine, Mark Hodge, who comes from the dance industry. Now we've got quite a few friends that work in there, plus my daughter has gone in pretty hard as well. He talks about how he's pivoted from dancing full-time, choreography, and into property. Today's podcast talks a lot about how Mark has had diversity in his life and incredible um, that he's actually still walking. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. And for any of you that are listening, and want to know more about what we do, just subscribe to this podcast or follow us on all the social media channels. Enjoy today's podcast and the amazing Mark Hodge. Hey, Mark, how are you? Hey, Ian. Thank you. Nice to be here. We, and, um, uh, we, you... we met quite a few years ago. I was on a stage. Yeah. We actually know each other by default. You are and had made your life in the dancing industry. Do you want to talk about you were a professional dancer, not a Whole right. professional dancer, like it wasn't. No. That sort of no. uh, you, you, you were looking. Tell me how you got into dancing, and when you decided that professionalism was the full-time gig that you were going to go for. Right. Yeah. Well, my father was in show business for his early life. He travelled around the world for about eight years. He did a grand performance for the Queen in 1956 was on the Ed Sullivan show for uh, three three times in one year, actually, as a comic acrobat. Um, so this is back in the 50s and 60s. And one of his partners in the act, there was three of them, was one of the first television choreographers. His name was Joe Latona. And apparently when I was young, uh, I used to get up and want, want, to, want mum to put music on and I apparently had to dance before I could walk. So it was really because of him that um, they got me started. And I did ballroom and Latin for a long period of time. But then when I left school, I, I realized I had a few partners that weren't as dedicated and, and uh, boys and, and uh, babies got in the way. One baby actually did get in the way and, and we, we had to stop dancing. So I, I decided that I wanted to go down another route and that was into the uh, uh, performance art. So uh, contemporary, I started doing contemporary and jazz, and then somebody said, look, you really need classical to help strengthen your technique. So then I did that, and I got carried away and ended up in the Australian Ballet Company and, and uh, then did about 17 years. Although I had done Cats before I joined the Ballet Company, I did about 17 years of musical theatre. But then Ballroom came back again when Dancing with the Stars started, uh, there was a show in the UK called Celebrity Come Dancing and uh, I was asked if I would be interested in auditioning. They hadn't actually picked the name then. It was called, uh, well, obviously it's called Dancing with the Stars now, but um, it was um, it was very successful and, and I did a couple of seasons with that. Went back into musical theatre and was the dance captain for Priscilla, uh, the Australian musical. And uh, obviously, with with all of the uh, wear and tear on, on my body, it, it uh, you know it has a time limit. So I had um, I had a couple of hip replacements. Well, actually, I had one first. I just had the other one done about twelve weeks ago. And uh, 
but I needed to find something else. And that's when, um, you know, my, my interest has always been in property. And, and that's when I met you, Ian, when I was doing one of the courses. Now, we've got a very um, dear friend to both of us, Penny Martin, who's um, also yeah. in musical theatre and still doing it. I think she was, uh, she did Dirty yeah. Dancing just recently as the mother of, what's her name? What's the lead? Anyway, the mother. Yeah. You'll get it. <laughs> so um, uh, yeah, you said that you were you said baby, that you were yeah. dance captain. That sounds amazing, um, especially if you said dance mm -hmm. captain while doing spirit fingers. Can you do that? <laughs> 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 How awesome! So you um, you had always been interested in property. You did have property. I had met you. You were actually uh, helping out a business, basically as a BDM, a business development manager for a modular building company. And mm, that didn't right. go quite so well. They weren't very good business people. No, no. Um, and it's obviously, you know, being in the performance world and stepping out into, some would say, the real world uh, or the corporate world, you can't always trust everyone that you uh, you come across mm. and I had somebody that uh, was obviously not as honest as as I'd hoped but I was working for a modular building company and, and they were doing a lot of granny flats and builds and uh, I found myself in America on a, a break um, I was also teaching at NIDA at the time and uh, I had been involved in a, a hit and run accident and uh, while I was in the hospital I found out that this company which owed me a lot of money but also owed a lot of clients a lot of money and builds uh, went into voluntary administration. Yeah so um, let's take a step back here because that there's quite a few incidents for you that led would lead most people down a path of uh, complete destruction but to me it actually while there was a small amount of fragility physically i saw the mental state of you mm. building and getting back to where you were and even stronger than you were beforehand now we're not talking about a really simple hit and run where you got hit and you got knocked over and maybe you broke a leg or something you actually broke your back you stepped out and someone mm. hit you you flew over the top of the the pretty heavy vehicle we're talking about a pretty big ute you know f-150 chevs type ute to leave you stranded on the ground, you were over there with a former partner and he had to put you in mm. hospital. What were the injuries you sustained from that? When I came to, I, I don't really, I don't remember much about it. There was three of us that walked across the road. We'd got out into the middle of the road. One person was on the other side. My partner at the time was behind me. Luckily, they didn't get hit, but I, I was in, in the middle and um, I came to, and they were stitching up my elbow and then they told me that um, nearly every rib was broken. Um, they actually couldn't count how many were broken. I had a, a broken scapula. My right shoulder blade was broken. Um, I had a, um, a, a fracture to my L3, my, my lumbar three vertebra, um, and I had a compression fracture to L2. Uh, and that was split right down the middle and through the center. So. For, uh, my vertebra was actually in four pieces. I was very lucky it didn't do that. It stayed together, but I was in a back brace for a little bit longer than I'd hoped. It, it was about six months, but it took me a good year to sort of get back to, to doing, you know, what I, what I am now. What, what I find really noticeable, you know, having seen you a few times since then, mm -hmm. obviously we, we live interstate from mm -hmm. each other, is that 
you would not be able to tell that. So many people would carry that as a war wound and would walk around and, you know, you would see the grimaces on their on their face about the injury. But to me, it seems like you are pain-free. But is that actually the case? Are you pain-free? Because you don't seem to be showing much of it. No. I, I mean, my shoulders, it's a different story. My shoulders, I've got no cartilage left in my shoulders. I had surgery on those uh, after Priscilla that's just wear and tear they were a lot worse after the accident but my lower back's pretty good if i if i don't do much or if i if i overdo certain things it'll flare up but it's generally pretty good and, and i do find that it's really important for me to keep exercising to keep everything moving so i'm pretty lucky in that most of that is is pretty much okay yeah I presume, I presume your fitness levels and the fact that you've always been fairly agile in the dance industry, because you still dance. I mean, you, you do the occasional bit and piece of, uh, of some sort of choreography and put it together as well, don't you? Occasionally. I hadn't done any for a while, but I did something just recently for Sydney Theatre Company, which actually never got on because of COVID. But that's actually, that's what exacerbated my hip. So I ended up right. having to get that one done. <laughs> So all healed and, um, and ready. Now, we yeah. started talking about, um, you know, the, the high income real estate system had just started off and we were talking about a short stay section. We knew back then, you know, we're talking five, six, seven years ago, where short stay had started to evolve and started to make its impact on the marketplace. Obviously, people didn't want to stay in hotels mm. with such high rates. People had houses they could get more income from than normal everyday rentals. And you realised that you had a property that could have a similar outcome Tell us about your um, Sydney property. Yep. So it would have been, well, it's about eight months before uh, this accident happened that, that I had I'd had a lot of problems with uh, long-term property managers and one manager had not given me enough notice of someone moving out and it was right before Christmas. And I had friends of mine that were paying down their mortgage on Airbnb at the time. This is going back five years ago now. And I decided to put mine on and I had another agent there waiting to take it after Christmas and I had to ring him four weeks later and give him the bad news. Um, good news for me, but bad news for him. I, I had pretty much booked out the property for the next six months with only a few, a few days, you know, empty at the time. Yeah. So we i'd gone from this property was earning 520 dollars a week uh fully furnished it was a, a quite a large uh, studio 43 square meters in surrey hills it was in a good spot but the um the rent i received from airbnb at that time was between 900 to 1100 a week so, so you basically so doubled income by using short stay that's right and Which then it just went on from there yeah and, and mm. that's not too bad. Mm -hmm. And then you realized clearly there's a marketplace for this. We mm -hmm. had a chat. You decided that you were going to gonna go mainstream and you're going to offer a service. And then you started a business that specializes in the concierge service of actually taking the booking platform, booking for your clients, meeting people at the front door for those guests that are coming. So effectively giving it a mm. hands-free sort of outcome where you do all the hard work for them. Is that, do you want to explain your business model? That's right. Yeah, so what we do is uh, we actually do all of the marketing for, for the property as well. Uh, we would go in, analyse it. I have people ask me, you know, if, if they think it's viable. 
We have teams of stylists that is an option for them as well. We've got people that can, can renovate if they need cosmetic renovations. If the foundation of the property and, and the location works, then we can actually help set that up. Then from that, we um, obviously we put it up on a multitude of sites, not just Airbnb, and we do the meet and greets. We fill the property with amenities. We handle all the reviews. We follow up on guests, you know, to see if there's anything else they might need. Uh, you know, show, show for driving from the airport, any other extra services. And we obviously organise the cleaning and the linen so that the owners don't have to manage any of this. So effectively, I mean, you take a percentage, obviously, that, that allows your business to grow. Now, you started in mm -hmm. Sydney and you've actually gone national now. You, you offer services in a lot of areas. That's right. Yeah, we so, so we started in Sydney. Brisbane was the next port of call, but Melbourne went after that. And now Melbourne is actually on par with Sydney. And Adelaide has taken off. Adelaide's actually a really, really good market, which surprises me because I'm actually from Adelaide. And I, <laughs> I didn't think that would happen. But uh, when I asked our account manager from Stays, he said that that was actually a, a, a hotspot. Uh, we're also in Perth. And of course, we've got your property in Hobart. Yeah, and you've got Gold Coast as well. You've got something on the Gold Coast? Canberra. Yeah, and uh, Canberra. At the moment, yeah, we've only got a couple on the Gold Coast, but uh, Canberra as well, we've got a couple, yeah. So, you know, you've got a, a team that's remote that can handle bits and pieces. You've also got a team on the ground to be mm -hmm. able to meet. Because you're big about meet, meeting people at the front door because, you know, this, this evolution of putting a keypad lock or mm. a, a, a padlock around um, the gate to be able to get into the house, it's not your style. No, it's not. Although I do, I do like the keypad locks, and in Adelaide, just about sorry, every sorry, property. Sorry, what I meant by keypad locks is those those padlocks mm -hmm. they put around the gates. The actual front door keypad locks, uh, no problem. Yes. I have no problem with that. But the actual, yep. you know, yep. these where you where you walk mm -hmm. up to a block of flats at Surrey Hills and you see all these padlocks all over the place. That's disgraceful. Exactly, it's terrible. It's it's really impersonal. Uh, I've got a, a picture of, of a, a laneway in Melbourne that has, you can't even count how many that are there. And I don't know how a guest would find the right <laughs> padlock or, or the right lock to get into any property. But also, if you've got a relationship with somebody at the front door, you've mm -hmm. got much more respect for the property that they're about to walk into. Yep. And that's really important for our owners. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, you obviously were, uh, have been doing astoundingly well and the short-stay marketplace has had the hit of COVID. Now, there's two parts to this. Mm. Firstly, uh, you know, I've been saying for a couple of years now, if you're going to go in the short-stay, you really have to have a team like yours in the background because if you're coming in to make money in short-stay, you basically miss the boat. You need to have a really good, efficient system in the background, which is what you provide. However, COVID mm. made a big impact to your business. Talk about the downturn and how you've actually made a change and how you pivoted the business. Yeah, so we have lost a lot of property and, and obviously with what's happened over the last few months, people are scared. They wanted to put their Airbnbs, their short stay back into the long-term arena. That hasn't worked. There was an article uh, just two nights ago saying that there's 30,000 empty rental properties across Sydney right now. The vacancy rate in Sydney CBD normally sits at 2 to 3%. Right now it's at 14.8% in Sydney and, and doubled and tripled in some of the other 
other states, uh, other capital cities as well. So we we did lose a lot of property. We had to think outside the square. I had to get in touch with health health ministers. I uh, also put up Facebook pages to help for self-isolation. We tried to get uh, medical professionals into a lot of our properties. We've dropped the rates and we've got a lot of long stays in there. We've got a lot of expats that have come back and obviously their properties are full, so they need full, fully furnished properties. We've managed to keep a lot of those going, uh, but it has been difficult. I mean, the, the recent downturn in Melbourne again has seen us have six cancellations yesterday, but interestingly enough, we actually had a couple of bookings, long bookings in Melbourne last night. So right. I think people are wanting to stay away from hotels and maybe you know, find private accommodation. Yeah, certainly more homely to be in somewhere in a, in a place where you can mm-hmm. actually cook and clean and get to the shops and stuff. Now, a lot of people, so there's a, there's two statements I want to make to start with. I suppose, I suppose I'll ask with a question. Most people think that the booking platforms are available to you are Airbnb and Stays. You know, do you want to talk about the fact that there's many, many more and the, the software that you've got in the background? There's, there's something like 250 or more. Uh, booking platforms out there that, that a lot of people don't realise. We've we had up to about seventy. Uh, there they are now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Hand discover, exclusive dormers, La Community, Avroa, um, E Holiday, Perfect right. Visit, Canada Stay, uh, and you know the, the majority mm. of we're we're in the obviously in the Asian you know area of the world. They hardly use That's Airbnb. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, that there's Agoda, which is owned by Booking.com. They uh, there's Cbus, uh, which is a big Chinese company, and but we uh, Expedia owns probably twenty twenty five different booking platforms, and actually Expedia bought Home Away, which actually bought Stays. So Expedia own a lot. You've got Booking.com, TripAdvisor. There's five five or six different platforms within uh, within TripAdvisor. And then we're also working with Abode um, at the only Australian booking platform. And all of these booking platforms actually charge a fee. So what we try and do is we adjust the price accordingly so that the owner doesn't lose out on the margin. But the great thing with Abode is that they don't actually charge a host fee. They charge that fee to the, uh, the guest that's booking. So effectively, with your business, if someone lists a property with you, mm-hmm. um, you are effectively going to seventy different websites rather than three or four at tops, where you know most people would only go to three or four of them. And the majority of your bookings, obviously, are Airbnb and stays. But you've like there's almost fifty percent, I think, from what you told me, come from other avenues. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, it used to be more heavily geared towards Airbnb, but now it's really starting to cross. We're getting a lot of direct bookings, which is great, but we're getting a lot through booking.com as well and, and stays, uh, some through Expedia, but that's a, a much smaller amount. Now we're talking about Airbnb being one of the biggest booking platforms in the world. They've actually, mm-hmm. they actually contacted you and, and you were very emotional about this, that they contacted you and mm-hmm. had you and only a few others in their main office in Sydney. Yeah, um, they, they actually reached out because they, they obviously see what we do as property managers and, and that we try and do the right thing by the guests as well as our owners. And they've 
they gave us the hotline at the moment. I don't think they're in the office now with COVID, but um, they gave us the hotline. So if we have any problems at all, we could go directly to them. And the last couple of years, they've um, you know taken us out for dinner for Christmas to um, nice restaurants and a great team, really great team. But they've suffered too. They've lost uh, they've lost a few while this is happening yeah. in the Sydney office, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a tough gig right now. And, you know, seeing you come out the back end, we've now got lockdowns only in one state. And, you know, you seem to be doing really, really well mm. out of that. I've got one final question. What's the name of your mm -hmm. famous dance move that has to go in every choreography? Oh, my God. <laughs> I thought about that. How if, if I was I watching choreography, if I was watching, because I, I was talking to Penny Martin about this one, if I'm watching choreography, <laughs> yeah. or she, she said, if I'm watching choreography and I see something, I know who the choreographer is because of that move or because of that style. What's your style? What's your yeah. move? I want to say, did Penn say, uh, Penn say a body roll at all? <laughs> body um, roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe a part of a row. A, a what? Yeah, what do you call that? Yeah. A part of a ray that goes in just about every routine, whether it's classical, jazz. Tell me what it, what that it's, is. Explain what that is. It's uh, three steps. It's um, you either go underboard change or overboard change. <laughs> <laughs> underboard, underboard, kickball change. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the balls on your feet, by the way. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, Mark Hodge, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for telling everyone about your story and obviously Thanks, the man. properties that you've got around the country. We didn't really talk Thanks, on everyone. the fact that you actually rent other properties and make money out of those too. So thanks mm -hmm. for joining us and we'll catch you next time. Thank you. So there you have it, Mark Hodge, amazing story, an amazing man, and I'm just absolutely in awe with what he's done in his professional life as a dancer and what he continues to do to help out other people in investing and creating cash flow through different means in property. As always, if you want to know more about what we do, head over to ianugarte.com.au, that's U-G-A-R-T-E, and you'll find out lots of information. Subscribe to this podcast and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Small Talk Big Ideas podcast. We hope we've succeeded in our goal to inspire and challenge you. And we look forward to catching you on the next episode of Small Talk Big Ideas with Ian Ugarte.